welcome all of our campuses to the seventh week of our series entitled Be Happy. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, it's exciting. For those of you that have not been around here uh, the last few months, or maybe you're new even this weekend, we are in a series. Matter of fact, I taught six weeks before Easter. Uh, we had Easter weekend, then last weekend we had a guest. Uh, how many of y'all enjoyed my friend, Pastor Jacob Rands? Wasn't that great? If you missed it, man, you can go. I encourage you to download that message. You talked about marriage, it was just powerful. And then I promised you guys that I was going to pick up in our series this week and next week, week seven and then week eight. I'm going to finish up the Beatitudes, and then I'm going to start a new series. Really excited about this. Four weeks on the Holy Spirit. The message is going to be entitled, With God's Spirit, Your Life. Now, somebody asked me uh, one time, they said, Pastor, you know, does, did Jesus ever teach sermons? Well, I want to say resoundingly, the answer is yes. We are actually looking at the first sermon that Jesus ever taught. And we're looking at the first part of the first sermon. The very first part of the first sermon that he taught is called uh, the what? The Beatitudes. Now, that wasn't real strong. I'm not sure y'all knew what I was talking about. That makes me concerned. The very first part of the first sermon he ever taught was called the Thank you. That gives me worth and meaning that for six weeks I've actually mentioned something. You've guys caught it. Oh, okay. So we are in week seven. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter five. If you're a guest here, we like teaching the Bible. That's what we do at Church of the King. We teach through books of the Bible. We teach through different biblical topics. We're teaching eight weeks going line by line through the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 today. Today I want to talk to you about what Jesus means when he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus says, blessed are the, say it with me, peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, happy are those. For those of you that haven't been here, here's what I said. Every time you see the word blessed, week one, blessed are the poor in spirit. You can actually circle the word blessed, and it literally means in the Greek, happy. So in other words, we're talking about the pathway to happiness the Jesus way. If we'll make adjustments in our attitudes, adjustments in our actions. We can actually experience, not in the sweet by and by, not someday when we die and we go to heaven, but in the here and now, that we can actually experience happiness the Jesus way. Here's what he said. Happy are those Week one, happy are those that are poor in spirit. Happy are those. Happy are those that are mourn. Happy are those who hunger and thirst. Happy are those merciful. So in other words, here's what he said. There is a pathway to happiness that you and I can experience. And this week, happy are those, watch this, that are peacemakers. Not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. They shall reflect God 
in the earth. Happy are the peacemakers. What does Jesus mean when he says, blessed or happy are the peacemakers? I think if there was ever a message that is desperately needed for our culture in this time, in this place, in this moment in history, it's this message. Blessed are the, come on, say it, peacemakers, for they shall reflect God. They shall be children of God. They shall look and act like God. Wow. That was a very radical concept to the first century Jewish mind because the disciples grew up with this thinking, an eye for an eye. And all of a sudden, Jesus, as he's teaching on the Mount of Beatitudes, beautiful place, I've been there many times, and he's teaching over the backdrop of the Sea of Galilee behind it, beautiful. And he's teaching this young Jewish crowd, the disciples who had pressed in, and he said to them a revolutionary concept. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Why was it so revolutionary? you got to understand the backdrop. Give me just a touch of monitor. Why was this so revolutionary for them? Here's the reason why. Because of the culture in which they lived. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, the majority was Jewish people. They were under Roman law, Roman government. The Romans were controlling the Jews through taxation, through all of that. They also had a disenfranchisement between all the different factions within Judaism. Well, you had the Zealots. Nobody liked them. You had the, Rome, the Herodians. They were committed to Rome. They were Jews, but committed. It's like, what's up with that? They had the religious leaders. Who were the religious leaders? Well, they were, the, they were the Sadducees, and they were the Pharisees. And, oh, man, I'm going to tell you something. Nobody could measure up to that. So yet, all these different Jewish groups, the Jews didn't like the Romans. The Romans really didn't like the Jews. And then there was another group. Oh, the Samaritans. You guys remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus was passing through Samaria? Remember the woman at the well? She wasn't Jewish. She wasn't Rome. What was she? She wasn't a Gentile. She was a Samaritan. She was half Jewish. In 722 uh, BC, when the, there was, there was Assyria, modern day Syria, Assyria came and they invaded the Jewish people. There was now an intermarrying. So we had the, Assy we had the Samaritans, nobody liked them. By the way, I remember a number of years ago when I went to Israel, the, our guide told us, in modern day history, this would have been 12 years ago, first time, there were 700 pure Samaritans left. One of the key anchors, a lady on uh, TV in Israel was a pure Samaritan. But you gotta understand something. They weren't liked by anybody. So you had Jewish people, you had Romans, you had the Samaritans, and they also had foreigners. You're talking about a lot of strife, a lot of fighting, a lot of discrimination. You had a lot of division. Does that sound a little bit familiar? And here it is, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. No, no, Jesus, you don't understand something. We live in a divided culture. You must be talking about another group. No, I'm not talking about another group. I'm talking about your group and your culture 
in this time, in this generation, blessed are the peacemakers. No, no, Jesus, that's impossible. Blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, those that will actually be happy make peace. Oh, wow. Guys, this is a big proposition being rolled out by this rabbi. Not sure how it's going to happen. Doesn't look possible. Question. Is it possible today for us in our culture, in your culture, in my culture, in your family, in your business, in our church, in our community, is it possible that we can actually make peace? You know, it's interesting. I, um, I began to think about the context of this. And I began to think about all the infighting and all the strife. And you guys know a little bit of my background growing up. I was always very hot-tempered and looking for a fight and just very quick. And, but when I got saved and God began to deal with my heart, I began to realize the ultimate goal is not to win. The ultimate goal is to be able to serve other people. And God began to work on my heart. And I became very aware, by the way, I became very aware of all of the infighting between my groups of friends and all these. Why? Because when you get born again, your eyes are opened up. And you can now see the kingdom. And you can see, and the, the scripture talks about John chapter 3, you can see the kingdom. You can see right. and You can see wrong. You can see differently. You're given spiritual eyes. Question, can you see differently? How do you see culture? The reality is it's unfortunate, but we live in a culture where there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of division. Think about even the last 12 months, how quick people are to react, how quick people are to put down somebody, how quick somebody is to stomp somebody out. Think of the political division. Think of the racial division we're experiencing right now. Think of all the ideological, philosophical divisions. Think about all of it all around us. The question is, do we have a different mandate as Christ followers? You know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram now, and I now realize why I waited so long to get on Facebook. I really mean that. I am shocked by the brazenness that people can just bam somebody out on that thing. I'm serious. And yet we live in a culture, it's almost been like normalized that we can just be, we'll just say whatever we want to anybody at any given time. Question, as Christ followers, do we have a different mandate? Jesus said, blessed are the, come on, say it. It's a difference between keeping peace and making peace. Question, are you a peacemaker? When you see a fire and you run up to that fire, do you have a big old gallon of water to douse it out? Or do you have a gallon of gasoline to exacerbate the fire? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemaker. Pastor, is this even possible? How can we, quote, make peace? Pastor Steve, you obviously, all you do all day long is you just sit in your room and just read the Bible. You don't really know what's going on. You're right, I don't. I just, I don't even respond to that. I can't. We live in a very conflicted world. Everybody is mad about something. Everybody's hurt by something. Legitimate hurts. Don't misunderstand me. 
legitimate concerns. But conflict has been so normalized in our culture, in our nation, in homes and families. Is that God's best? It's a reality of our human situation. Is it God's best? Is it God's best to leave it there, to leave the toxicity in the relationships where they're broken, they're disenfranchised, or is there a different mandate for Christ followers to be peacemakers? I have two friends right now, Christians, that are at odds with one another. It's very painful to watch. By the way, there's collateral damage every time we don't resolve things. You guys realize that? Not just in your family, but, but there's collateral kingdom impact. There's kingdom impact. And I'm having to assess as an individual because I know it's messy. I know I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves. I know I'm going to have to get involved. And by the way, you do realize how this works, that oftentimes you can run into that fire and get singed. Matter of fact, that fire can actually turn on you. But is it worth it? I want to suggest it's not only worth it, it's our mandate as Christ followers. I'm watching these two, and I'm watching the impact. I'm watching the, Im the kingdom impact of two Christians being disenfranchised from one another. And yet, the call in my life, knowing both of them, going, I've got to lean in on this. Why is that? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. The word peacemaker, it's interesting. It's an intentional word, and it means to create a pathway. To be at peace means to, I'm contending for something. Peace is not a passive concept. We often think of peace as something passive. We just are sitting around. We're just, I don't know, some angels are swooping in, feeding us with grapes. We're kind of like staying on our little, you know, mid-level you know, cloud until we get to the fullness of clouds in heaven one day and this social utopian because I'm a Christian and the kingdom is here and it's all peace. And yet Jesus says to be a peacemaker, we've got to actually contend for peace. Isn't that interesting? Question, are you contending for peace? Are you willing to do that in your home, in your family? How about in your neighborhood? How about with your children? How about at your work and in our nation? Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, it's almost like he's just exacerbated. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon the other person. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just seeing if y'all are awake. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon who, say it. You live peaceably with all men. Well, Pastor, I'll be at peace when they, no, no, doesn't start they. Are you with me? It's kind of like in your marriage. You don't start with your spouse. You start with you. Are you with me? I'll change when they change. Well, that's going to work out real well for you. <laughs> Are y'all with me? I'll say I'm sorry when they start. Yeah, that, 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 you're going to, yeah, the rapture will happen. Are, are y'all with me? as much as it depends upon you. Is this really a mandate? I've had people say all kind of crazy things about the scripture. Well, you know, that just applied to, you know, that just applied back then. Really? I guess mercy just applied back then. Are y'all with me? I guess hungering for God just applied back then. No, it is possible. And not only is it possible, it is a mandate for believers to make peace. 
Are you with me? Not just to eat the cake, but to bake the cake and to make the cake. And it takes work. Wow, pastor, I never thought about that. And by the way, not just peace with God, but peace with other people. I want to talk to you about three ways that we can be peacemakers. How can we practically be peacemakers in our culture? It's interesting. I was reading as I was preparing for this. I'm always fond of different men and women that have been history makers and they've shaken things and done things and I was reading even this week Desmond Tutu, the Anglican priest in South Africa. I do not agree. We wouldn't agree theologically on all points. But I do agree with part of his strategy of reconciling races in South Africa. Of course, he lived in apartheid. He's still alive today, 90 years old. And one of the things that he said was really cool. He talked about if everybody does a little something, then all those little somethings add up to some big things. Are y'all with me? As long as we can think it's somebody else's job, then it, it, it what does it do? It, it keeps us, it removes the responsibility of our lives. But if we see this and we lean into this and we engage into this. So in other words, peacemaking starts with me. It doesn't start with some pastor, some preacher, some priest, somebody else, some spouse. So it starts with us. Let me give you three truths about peacemaking. Peacemaking starts with God as it relates to you personally. If you want to quickly sum up the Bible, you can say, God is a father. Watch how this works. God is a father. He always wanted kids in the Garden of Eden. You guys know the story. I've taught it so many times. Here's you got Adam and Eve. Question, Pastor, why is there so much strife in my home? Why is there so much strife in our culture? Why is there so much strife and stress? What does that, where does that even come from? Well, it goes all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve, they're walking with God. They're enjoying relationship with one another. And, they're, and the Bible says they're actually walking with God in the cool of the day. And they're hanging out and they're holding hands. And all of a sudden they listen to old little slippery snake. They listen to Satan. And Satan told them basically in essence to disobey God and do their own thing. God blessed them. They were able to eat from any tree of the garden. It was amazing except one. But they chose to disobey God. And when they chose to disobey God, immediately their eyes were open. They saw one another, were naked, and they were ashamed. Watch this. Let me tell you what sin does. Sin breaks our peace with God. And sin breaks our peace with one another. And what did they do? They covered themselves. By the way, you and I cannot cover ourselves and cover our shame away. God's got to do it for us. Shame is a very powerful emotion. It's a spiritual reality, too, when it impacts somebody's life. So what did God do? God saw the disenfranchisement. God saw the brokenness. God saw the division between him and mankind and between Adam and Eve. And the blame game started. What happened? You did it. Well, you did it. Well, you did it. Well, you did it. So what did God do? God went and killed an animal. First shed, blood shed in the Bible. And then he took that, made a loincloth, and God covers. Everybody say God covers. God covered. Watch this. God covered. And God, God reinstituted peace between God and man, and he gave the possibility for peace between mankind. Yeah. 
God made the first move. And we are children of God, and we've got to, quote, make the first move. How did God make the first move? God covered. It was a picture of Christ dying on the cross. Can you imagine Jesus Christ dying on the cross going, I wish y'all would get the act together down there. He made the first move. What happens is we're always waiting for somebody else to make the first move. We're waiting for the kid to make the first move. Waiting for the spouse to make the first move. We're waiting for that other group to make the first move. Are y'all with me? God is, God, listen, God is a first move God and we're made in the image of God. We should be first move people. And let me tell you something. You can't make peace unless you are at peace with God. And when you're at peace with God, he gives you peace in, his heart, in your heart. Paul says it this way, Romans chapter five. I love this. He says, therefore, having been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is like the CEO of this peace factory. And he's, and he's, and he's giving peace to who? To whomsoever. Everyone say, whosoever. Pastor, I want to be a peacemaker. You can't be a peacemaker till you're at peace with God. Because till you're at peace with God and you have peace in your heart, you're always going to point out all the faults in everybody else. You're going to be a peace, you're not going to be a peacemaker. You're going to be a strife agitator. But when you're at peace with God, when you have peace with God and you have peace in your heart, now there's the possibility to have peace with your fellow man. The reason why we can't peace at peace here is we're not at peace here. And when we're not at peace here, we don't have peace here. Man, I'm working hard. I hope you guys are getting some of this. By the way, by the way, I know what every single one of you are doing. You're thinking, <clears throat> hmm, I wonder if he's talking to me. Here's the answer. Yes, I'm talking to you. You think I'm talking to First Baptist down the street? Of course I'm talking to you. And they're great people. They're my friends all over the place. But I'm talking to you at your campus about your situation. Thank you. That just felt good. Cathartic, actually, just to kind of get that. <laughs> Number one, God makes the first move. Hey, we're made in the image of God. We've got to be first move people. Are you with me? We're always waiting for somebody else to do it. I'm waiting for somebody else to do it. Number two, what's the greatest hindrance to being a peacemaker? The greatest hindrance. V. I know the difference between an, a definite article and an indefinite article. What is the greatest? It's called unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the roadblock to peace. There's one thing that blocks peace and peacemaking greater than anything else, and it's unforgiveness and bitterness. Look what, look what the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 12. This scripture is so, so powerful. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace. Everyone say, pursue peace. Did you guys get that? Did everybody get that? Here it is. Let me say it again. Pursue peace. Oh, it doesn't say, let peace just light upon thy. Are you with me? It says, you got to pursue peace. You got to pursue it. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Pursue peace with all people, not just people that look like you, not just people that believe like you, not just people that live next to you. Oh man, listen, we, we live in a culture, we just want to stomp people out real quick. If you don't believe exactly like me, if you don't look exactly like me, if you don't come from the exact background, boom, you're out. That's real biblical. 
Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of what? Come on, say it. Bitterness. There it is. Springing up causes trouble. And by this, many are defiled. Many are defiled by bitterness. Let me tell you what this scripture is. You guys ready for this? Let me tell you what this scripture is. You know, when I was a kid, you know, we, of course you have, you have your, your, your dinner and your, and your, of course we didn't understand health back then, right? I mean, we thought bunny bread was nutritious. <laughs> and so, of course, you put, your parents would put on the plate, right? So you'd have like your vegetables, you'd have a meat, start, you know, your vegetables, and then you'd have the dessert. Of course, a kid, you want to start with the dessert, right? But you can't start with the dessert until you eat your vegetables. Are y'all with me? So you put my mom and say, no, 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 you can't eat your dessert until you eat your Brussels sprouts. Isn't it crazy? Are y'all, isn't it crazy like the things you hated as a kid like you love as an adult? Like Brussels sprouts are like cool now. They're in. <laughs> They're not in when you're six. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, so you can't eat the dessert till you eat the Brussels sprouts. You want the dessert. How many know there are some scriptures in the Bible that are dessert? You're amazing. God loves you. God wants to prosper you. There's some Brussels sprout scriptures. You better pursue peace with all people, whether you like them or not. Are y'all with me? We want to jump to the dessert. Uh Uh-uh, baby. You don't get to the dessert till you go through Brussels sprouts. That was good preaching. I kind of just made that up, actually. Let me tell you what bitterness does. Bitterness defiles many, not just your soul, it defiles many. You cannot, there's no such thing as secret bitterness. And by the way, bitter people, they find one another. They do, they find, I mean, you have a bitter person 10,000 miles away, they'll find them on Facebook. <laughs> oh yes, they will. If you think I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, I'm telling you that. What is bitterness, pastor? It's defined as a root of hatred. It produces a bitter fruit. It's a root that produces fruit. It's a root of hatred that produces a bitter fruit. What does bitterness do? It defiles you. It defiles everyone around you. It slings mud on anyone and everyone. When you're bitter, you're actually the opposite of a peacemaker. A bitter person runs up to a fire and goes, ha ha, here's some more gas. We're not called as a Christian to do that. You know what we're called to do? We're called as a Christian to run up there and put it out. Everybody say, blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't mean that you don't believe things. Now, I'm going to answer all the objections in your mind because I can read your mind. Pastor, are you saying that we don't have convictions? Are you saying that we don't stand for Of course we have convictions. Of course we stand for things. To be at peace with something doesn't mean you have to believe exactly like that. That's my point. I read this week an article, some of you may have seen this in, a, in an area right close to one of our campuses. It's pretty, I know we have Atlanta that's watching, Baton Rouge, all these different areas in New Orleans, but the, the, on the North Shore, there's a close area where there was a water supply. Did y'all see the water supply that was tainted? Did y'all see that? People were getting sick, pets were actually getting sick, rashes. And the reason why, it's in NOLA.com, check it out. The problem was the water supply was tainted by a sewage leak. Did anybody see that this week? You want to read the paper? It's probably good. So they were sick because the water supply was tainted. Water is a symbol of life. Water is the thing that replenishes. Can I tell you something? You know what happens to homes? When one person is bitter, everybody can get sick. When a pastor is bitter, a church can get sick. Sick. 
Are you with me? When a family, when, when there's, it doesn't take a lot. It, by the way, by the way, it doesn't take a lot. It usually takes one or two. Oh, man. Pastor, how do I get this out? We got to do it the Jesus way. By the way, the Sermon on the Mount was, is basically, it's three chapters in the book of Matthew. St. Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. It's three chapters long, in essence. The Sermon on the Mount, long. The Beatitudes at the beginning. Do you know what's right in the middle? The right in the middle in the Beatitudes, right in the middle, excuse me, in the Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's Prayer. Did y'all know that? Do you know there's a critical line in the Lord's Prayer that is the key, not A, the key to getting bitterness out of our heart? You know what it is? Here it is. And forgive us our debts, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts. How many are grateful that God has forgiven you? Come on, raise your hand. Here it is, here it is. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our, say it. Okay, let me tell you what a debtor is. To understand forgiveness, you have to understand this is a monetary concept. I had a guy in our church told me this. He had a $100,000 bill to a hospital. I remember years ago he told me this. He was pastor. I didn't have the money. It's crazy. We didn't have proper insurance coverage. And we had this, all these kind of just, I was like, whoa, golly, man. And he said that one day, it wasn't a mistake. One day, the hospital called him. This was years ago, probably 13, 15 years ago. The hospital called him and said, we were going through your records and evaluate. And we do this from time to time. And we have totally, your bill is paid. It's done. It wasn't a mistake. He said, Pastor, I fell on the ground, literally crying. He says, to know that my debt was forgiven. Oh my gosh. He says, I can't tell you. Can can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? To know that when we receive Christ, the debt that we had against God because of our sin has been forgiven. By the way, not because of anything that man did, the hospital forgave him. Not because anything we did, God forgave us. Oh man, oh man, when we don't forgive, you know what we become? Emotional debt collectors with people. Oh, you, you owe me. Oh yes, you owe, oh yes, you do. And you owe me, and you owe me, and you, oh you, and, and by the way, you're, you're, you have a massive debt collection agency actually. You actually recruit other people to make calls on your behalf to collect your debts. Boy, this is good preaching. You actually, there's a, there's a conglomerate. You actually recruit people to collect your debts. Oh, man. Whew. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. Let me tell you what it's not. Forgiveness is releasing the other party from allowing the wrongs from owning you and controlling your life. Forgiveness is letting it go and allowing God to control the situation. Forgiveness is allowing God's supernatural peace to replace the anger and the resentment that enslaves you. Forgiveness is not condoning sin. It is not condoning evil behavior. It does not mean you have to be in intimate relationship with that person again. Forgiveness is not saying that justice has been served, but it does present the opportunity for a new start because you release them from the debt. I want, I want bitterness out of my life. I don't want to live in bitterness. Could you imagine, could you imagine, can you imagine if we had forgiveness in our soul? Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Let me give you the third and final thing. Let's be peacemakers and not peacekeepers. 
There are two primary attitudes and mindsets that exist in the world when it comes to living in peace with people. Number one is a peacemaker. And number two is a peacekeeper. This is a very important point. I'll close. A peacekeeper is someone that basically just keeps, they're, they're concerned about the stress and the tension it takes to actually resolve anything, so they just keep the mutually opposing parties separated. They have what's called a DMZ zone. Do y'all know what the DMZ is? You know what a demilitarized zone is? The largest demilitarized zone in the world is the zone that actually separates North and South Korea. Let me tell you what the demilitarized, it's, it's called the DMZ. Here's what, it's, here's what it does. You have forces on the North Korean side and you have forces on the South Korean side. And those are called peace, say it, keeping forces. They're not trying to resolve relationship. They're not trying to bridge the gap. They're just trying to keep the war not starting. By the way, that's how some people's homes are. There's not necessarily a war, but there's a DMZ right down the middle of it. Are y'all with me? I don't believe God's best is for us to have a D mil. Now, it's better than blowing things up. Please, let me just qualify that. But God's best is not for us to live with a demilitarized zone down the middle of our home, our family, our church, our nation. That's not God's best. It's not to be a peacemaker, but to be a peacekeeper, but to be a peacemaker. Let me tell you what peacemakers are. You gotta be willing to deal with some stuff. Wait, wait, time out. Let's, let's talk about this. We, we gotta, we gotta. Matter of fact, matter of fact, the call of the Christ follower, another word for peacemaker is reconciler. I had a guy come to me one time. He goes, Pastor, he says, um, he says, how long have you been in the ministry? This was years ago. I said, I, I don't know, 10 years. And I said, how long have you been in the ministry? He said, well, I, I'm in construction. I'm not in the ministry. I said, no, you're in ministry. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm like, I mean, I'm, a constru- I'm in construction. I said, no, you're in the ministry. I said, I know what you're saying to me. I'm in the ministry meaning I get paid by a religious institution. I am paid full-time to be able to serve. I understand what you're saying, but I want to be real biblical here. You're in the ministry too. He goes, really? Well, what ministry is that? I said, you've got a ministry. Paul says it clear. You've got the ministry of reconciliation. He said, what do you mean? Second Corinthians chapter five. Don't miss this point. I'm closing. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18. Now all things, everyone say all things. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us. He's given us. He's given you, construction worker, architect, plumber, teacher. He's given you. This is another word. This is Paul's interpretation of the word peacemaker. He calls it reconciler. He says, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, wow. I've been given a ministry. Everyone say, I have a ministry. According to the Bible, you've been given a ministry. What's that ministry, Pastor? Here it is, every campus. I'm going to tell you what your ministry is. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Two ways that's expressed. Number one, you can preach Christ to people where people can be reconciled to God, but you can also preach peace to people where two people that are at odds can be reconciled to one another. I mean, you've got the ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you something. Why do you think this? Why am I preaching this? Number one, because I'm, I'm like on point seven of the Beatitudes. 
and I'm going to do eight next week. And then we'll, but I'm going to tell you something, because I believe that God's got a word for us. Listen to me closely. A divided church cannot heal a fractured world. A united church can heal a broken, fractured, divided world. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. I know it's bold. We have the key to heal our nation. The world can't heal itself. God's spirit through his people can heal the nation. God's spirit can. We've got the wisdom of God. We've got the favor of God. We've got the power of God. And I'm going to tell you, we've got the message of God. God's called you to be a peacemaker. Question. Who do you need to make peace with? What party do you need to lean in and help make, make peace for? How does this apply to your life? A lot of you guys are going to be thinking about this. I'm telling you, you're going to be thinking about this all day. All day, all day. This is in the Bible. By the way, if you have a problem with this message, you don't have a problem with me, you have a problem with Jesus. Listen to me, I want everybody to hear. Who do you need to make peace with and who do you need to help bringing peace between? You and I have been called as a Christ follower to be peacemakers in a broken, jacked up world. We need to do our part. Come on, do y'all receive that word today? I want to pray for you. Man, those Brussels sprouts were good. <laughs> I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. At all of our campuses, I've got one minute left. Please stay with me. Just one minute. I'm going to let you go. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, our first calling as Christ followers is to lead people to be reconciled to God. To become believers in Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Question, are you right with God? I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Your wife can't save you. Your husband, Jesus saves. I tell you what we can do. We can point you to Christ. Are you at peace with God? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Yeah. The blood of Christ washes us and cleanses us. Do you need the blood of Christ to wash you today? In just a moment, I'm going to, at the count of three, at all of our campuses, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are sitting, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high, Pastor? I need Christ. I'm not at peace with God. I want to call out to God. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly, just hold your hand up. Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, buddy. God bless you there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? God bless you right there. God bless you up top. God brought you today, sir. God brought you today. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you right there. Church, let's pray. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. This is what it means to be reconciled to God. All right? Where we belong to him. Here, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus... I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. 
Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. Just give me 30 seconds. All of our campuses, if you prayed and trusted Christ, there's a card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. You put it in the buckets on the way out. Why? I want to send you a letter talking about what it means to follow Christ on a daily basis. Or you can text DECISION to 822-822. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Our altar is open for anybody that needs prayer. We're here for you as a church. We want to pray for you. You do not want to miss next week as I finish up the series. It's going to be a very, very interesting word. I trust it will help you. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. Lord, you are making us peacemakers in a broken world. May the favor of God be upon your people. May the glory of God and the power of the Lord rest upon them as they go forth this day. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on. Can we bless the Lord? We love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you next week. What another incredible message in our Be Happy series. This series has been so incredible and I've learned so much. And I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to any of the past messages that you may have missed. You know, it's so good. I know I'm gonna go back and listen to them because each week has been so packed with so much good stuff. Um, today was phenomenal. The last week, next week is gonna be amazing. And I wanna encourage you guys in this. I know we only have one week left in the series, but if you have some friends out there that need to hear this, invite them. Maybe share some, some of the old messages with them. Get them in, let them really be touched and challenged and encouraged by this message series, just like I know it has been for us. So, and also, one more thing before we go, I wanna remind you guys we have our church online family Facebook group. We would love to have you be a part. I love seeing the prayer request. Um, some of you guys are giving shout outs about something God done, has done in your life or maybe through your life. So if you've not joined that group yet, you can go ahead and click right now in the chat room. There's a link, click on that, join that group. We'd love to stay connected. So have a great week. We'll see you guys next weekend at church.